the gift of witchcraft. I was able to see, hear, and communicate with spirits. A very personal relationship between a person and spirit. Carnal lust and some things like that. Working with different energies and spirits and communicating. Creating magic. Powerful yeah. ritual and powerful spells. She's actually sitting in the cold. The role of the witch is to make change. Welcome to this week's episode of That Witch Life Podcast. I'm Hillary. I'm your host today, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Courtney. Hello. And Kanani. Hello. We have a really exciting episode for you today. Madam Pamita is going to be joining us to discuss candle magic. Kanani watched the new craft movie and has lots of thoughts about it. Yeah, we got a couple of text previews of her thoughts. And so I'm like, hold on, we're waiting. You're like, don't do it yet. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, But yeah, so, and uh, so how, how has everyone, how is everyone sowing? Well, I am so tired this morning because my husband and I slept under our ancestor altar last night. Under it? We slept under it. Yep. Um, We did our ritual (laughs) and then we slept under the altar. We were just like, we're going to, we're going to do this. And oh my God. Um, So there was no sleep when the ancestors showed up in a big way um, to both of us, both in when we were awake and when we were asleep. Um, And then because we were sleeping in a different room, our animals were having a total meltdown and the cats walked in us all night and the dog paced the house crying because he was scared, wondering why we weren't sleeping in the bed. Um, Oh my God. So there's been no sleep for me, but I did have a dream with the two of you in it that I thought was very poignant. Um, It was the last dream I had and we were all in a vineyard and it was really beautiful and there was a lot of music playing. And then Hillary, you looked at Kanani and I and said, um, okay, before we get to our recording, I need to go to my house and fix food, um, fix food for my family who's coming over. My mom's coming by and a bunch of other family members as well. And you know how long it takes when family comes by. And it didn't occur to me that, oh, this is the Sawin feast. Kanani and I were just like, uh, okay, we'll do what you got to do. You're like, uh, okay, Hillary. Yeah, all right, Hillary. <laughs> and then Kanani, um, somebody gave Kanani and I a gallon of ice cream that was jalapeno cheddar cashew flavored and it was really good and Kanani I was gonna be like in a good way (laughs) but it was a good way and I had one bite and then Kanani took the rest and that sounds right I was like that's exactly right that's accurate even if I didn't like it that sounds right sometimes dreams aren't realistic this one realistic yeah (laughs) but (laughs) But then what was so, um, but what, before people get confused, that's actually those really strong flavors in strange combinations is very typical of food of the ancestors or when people have visions of, of eating in the world of the dead or eating with the ancestors, they eat things that they're like, what the fuck? That's, that's gross. But, you know, my husband's theory is that when you no longer have a corporeal form, that is corporeal the right word? Did I just say something really strange? Uh, I tune out most of your big words, so I cannot be helpful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't think that's quite the right word. I don't. I don't know. Whatever word means I don't know. body, 
Um, so when you don't have a body anymore, physical form, physical form, when you don't have taste buds that the, probably the memories you have are of the strongest flavors and you no longer really, that think makes about, sense. Yeah. No longer think about would I eat ice cream with jalapenos and cheddar in it other than at some hipster place in downtown Portland. Um, yeah. So that was, so, so I crossed into both of your experiences with the dead last night as part of mine. And when I woke up this morning and saw the picture of Hillary's ancestor altar that she sent to Kanani and I over Facebook messenger, I was like, aha, that's, that's who, that's why Hillary had to rush off to make food for her mother. That's that's so funny. And it was late too. We were, we did it later than usual because, um, I did it with my roommate and she climbed, she summited South sister yesterday morning. So she didn't get back until, um, until like, I don't know, like five, five thirty six, And then someone, and then our Walter got picked up. No. <laughs> I mean, we're really happy for him because he's going to a lovely place that will take care of him while he gets neutered. And then he's going to this like really amazing small forever sanctuary farm but we were so sad. I was like, oh no. So by the time we actually got to making dinner, that's probably why you saw me being like, oh my God, I got to get this ready. Like we're so late. I'm going to be late for making dinner. <laughs> my ancestors are going to be so pissed. <laughs> as, as tired as I am, Hillary, and as sad as you are to see Walter the foster pig go, at least neither one of us has rabies or needed a toe amputated. That's true. Which I don't have rabies. I actually got vaccinated against rabies, so I'm set. Uh, <laughs> Kanani, how I mean, are I you did, doing? I, I, le- I legitimately did, though. <laughs> I decided, I don't remember why, my kids, one of them had had something like, uh, like a really good note that had come home from school about really good uh, tests or something like that, that they'd done phenomenal on, on all their tests. Yeah. And so I... I I decided that, you know, hey, you know what? I'm going to take you guys out for lunch today. They have about an hour window in between Zooms. And so we go downstairs, we get in the car, and we're about to pull away. And as I look out at the front of the car, I see an orange cat. And I look at my kids and I go, is that Max? And my daughter just starts crying hysterically. And she's like, Oh my God, he got out of the house. He got out of the house. (laughs) And so I'm like, calm down. I'm going to, I'm going to get him. Everybody get out of the car. So I turn off the car. I walk over to the cat. It kind of runs away. And I'm like, well, yeah, he's, you know, outside, like what the hell's all this stuff. And so I walk over to it. It let me pick it up. And my daughter is hysterically sobbing. And I toss her the car keys. I'm like, go open the front door. We'll put him back in the house and then we'll go get lunch. And so we go up the stairs. And as we're going up the stairs, the cat starts squirming and trying to get away from me and kind of scratching me. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe he and my daughter is hysterically crying. And so my adrenaline is just like through the roof. And and I'm just like, you know, trying to keep her calm. And I'm like, just relax, just deep breaths. And she gets to the front door, and just as she's about to open the door, she's you know crying so hard, she's having a hard time unlocking the door, and I can't help because I'm trying to hold this struggling cat. And and just before she's able to open the door, the cat just scratches the shit out of me and just darts away. And it darted away so fast, I couldn't even tell whether it went to the right or the left. My daughter looks back at when she's flung open the door, and there's no cat. And so she is hysterical. 
And I'm like, calm down, leave the door open. I'm like, Gavin, I'm like, you know, Gavin and I are going to go downstairs. We're going to find him. We start frantically looking for the cat. And my adrenaline is still like through the roof. But at this point in my head, I keep thinking, why when we got to the front door, was he not wanting to go in the house? Like it just, certain things were not making sense. And so as we're running around trying to, trying to find this cat, and we cannot find this cat, I yell up at my daughter who's upstairs and I say, look in the house and see if the cat is in there. And she's hysterical and she starts running through the house. And of course the cats always hide. So she's having to run through the house to try and figure out where the cats are and where they're sleeping. And she runs back out and she goes, mom, he's in the house. <laughs> you try to steal, like, you try to steal a stranger's cat. And, then- and I'm like, oh my God. So then I'm like, <laughs> so then I'm relieved because she's not crying anymore. And instead she's like thrown herself on top of the cat. So my son and I, you know, go back upstairs. She's, she won't let go of the cat. She's sobbing. She's so happy he's there. And I'm just like, okay. I'm like, everything's okay. And then I realize, okay, I'm looking at my arms, which are bruised and scratched. Cause some of the scratches in the welts were so bad that they bruised. And like, I'm looking at my arm right now. I still have marks on my arms. And this was now six or seven days ago. And um, I'm like, well, awesome. So I just got scratched the shit out of me by a stray cat. And as we're driving to get lunch, I call my doctor. And I'm just like, yeah, I, I might need to be seen. I'm like, because I just got the shit scratched out of me by a stray cat. I have no idea whether or not it's been vaccinated and as I'm saying this, I'm realizing that they're thinking like, why were you close enough to a stray cat? Like to have gotten to like mauled like that. They're like, fine. who does this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're just like, okay. You're like, I and couldn't recognize my own cat. Okay. So just give me the medication that I need. Listen, right? I have, have at home learning. It's COVID and it's COVID <laughs> and I'm trying to be fucking spooky motherfucker. And so I feel somebody's cat. <laughs> oh my God. I wasn't even thinking, it wasn't until later where I started kind of, when the adrenaline started coming down that I was thinking a little more clearly that I was like, let's make sure that was our cat. And then I call my husband and he's like, oh, I've seen that cat before. It looks just like Max. And I'm like, you know what? Not helpful. <laughs> Not fucking helpful. And he was like, well, I told you I saw that cat a couple months ago. And I'm like, I don't listen when you talk. You know that. And he just looked at me and he just, you know, rolled his eyes because that's our love language. And <laughs> so I was so annoyed because he has seen the cat. He knew of the cat. and He knew that there was a stray cat somewhere around that looked just like our cat. So I was like, son of a bitch. So anyway, so I, I go through all of this and I make the doctor's appointment for the next day because I have rabies. And so my husband, he comes home, he looks at my arms and he's like, holy balls. And I'm like, I didn't make dinner. I don't, you know, I'm not in the mood. My arms hurt. I'm hopped up on Tylenol. I just want to lay down. And he's like, well, why don't I go get dinner? You know, order something online. I'll go pick it up. And I'm like, all right, fine. So I was trying to clean up everything, put it back. We have kind of an electronics tote for all of our rando stuff. And I was trying to shove it back under the bed. And somehow in doing it, I was like, I, I still don't quite know how. I like lost my balance. And I inadvertently kicked one ankle with the other foot. And I ripped off my toenail. Ah! Yes. Basically. And... 
And of course, my husband had left to pick up dinner, so it's me and two kids. <laughs> and I just immediately hit the floor, and I start getting the pain sweats. And I call for my daughter, and I'm just like, honey, mommy needs ice in a bucket. Please, mommy, please bring mommy some ice in a bucket. And if there's any vodka, bring that too. Oh, God. Well, she had no idea that the bucket was because I was 99% convinced I was going to puke. Yeah, and I look down, and there's blood all over my hand. I'm like, honey, could you please bring mommy some paper towels? And I'm like... You know, I'm sure I'm white at this point, but I'm like trying to like keep her calm because if she knows I'm in pain, she's going to freak out. And so she brings me paper towels. She's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Please bring mommy her phone. And so she brings me my phone and I called Courtney. I call your husband because this is what he does. And you're like, I need it. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, Hey, how's it going? Uh, I'm here alone with two kids ripped off my toenail. What should I do? And he's like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? Well, it, it was so funny because earlier, here's the thing. Kanani calls me almost every day. And normally it's when she's at Target and she's bored or when she's in the Starbucks drive through line and she's bored. And so she calls me just to fill the space. So if I get one missed call from Kanani, I don't like think, oh, she must have something to tell me. But if I get three missed calls within like five minutes of each other, it means there's an emergency. So I got that and I called her and she's like, I have rabies. And I'm like, are you foaming at the mouth? And she's like, well, no more than usual, but yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, we talked through it and I'm like, well, uh, you might, I don't know that you get rabies from a cat scratch, but you know, it's not a bad idea to go to the doctor. And she's like, okay. So then later I'm asleep on the couch and I hear my husband talking to a very upset woman. And I assume it's, it's one of his uh, relatives in Ohio who call him upset regularly because we're in election season. And I just hear him going like, it's okay, darling. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. No, you're going to be okay. And then he gets off the phone. He says to me, Hey, I don't want to make this weird, but your best friend just called me really upset. Um, She broke her, like her, she ripped her toenail off. And I just, I'm like half asleep. And I'm like, wait, doesn't she have rabies? And he's like, like, what? You're like, uh, but I thought she had rabies. Are you sure? You only have one major illness at a time. What's happening? I know you're like, are you sure you got the correct ailment? I'm like, what? What? Double check. What now? What now? Rabies and missing toenails. Oh my God. Oh, it was awful. And like the whole time I'm talking to him, I have my foot in a sink. And I'm like rinsing it off and it's like, oh, it's so gross. And I had just gotten off the phone with it and I was like, I'm like, I usually wouldn't call. I don't have the uh, wherewithal to be like Googling what the fuck to do when your toenail falls off and I'm alone with two kids. So I would just like to have another adult on the phone that could help me out. And he was like, oh yeah, no problem. And he's also a medical person. Make that also clear. As soon as I get, yeah, as soon as I get off the phone with him, um, I don't even know what the kids told, told my husband when he walked in, but he comes rushing in and he's like, what the hell's going on? And my foot's in the sink. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of ripped off my toenail. And he's like, I was only gone 15 minutes. <laughs> I'm like, this is what happens when you leave. This is why you're not allowed to leave. So yeah, that was my week. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've been making and that's my marital love my- language is eye rolling. It's just so good. I'm sorry. Oh my God. Oh, it was I'm so glad, bad. I'm glad you better and that you don't have rabies, but it gets you back. It was, so much, it was so much more fun when I went to the doctor the next day because I already had the appointment for the scratches. <laughs> and 
she said some of them were pretty bad. And she's like, well, she's like, let me know if they don't start to improve because we'll put you on antibiotics. And she's like, but at this point, I think you're okay as long as they keep healing the way they should. And I'm like, yeah, we don't really need to worry about the scratches. Please look at my toe. And she was like, oh, dear God. <laughs> well, I'm okay. just like, yeah, the rabies is no longer my problem. My problem is now the fact that I ripped off my toenail. Let's let's work with that. Well, and I should also submit so the audience does not think that I'm totally cruel and heartless. What you must understand is that many years ago when there was an Ebola outbreak in New York City, and I and outbreak, I mean, like there were three people that got it. And I was living in New York City at the time, and I had a lung infection, and of course, because they were very concerned about Ebola, they were, you know, planning to test me for Ebola as well. And I was like, fuck, because if Kanani hears that I'm getting an Ebola test, she's going to tell everybody that I do indeed have Ebola. Well, well, yeah, <laughs> she was posting. All That's what Ebola. a good friend does. And well, also backstory is one of the reasons we started this podcast is because people would actually friend Kanani and I just to watch the meme battles that we would put on each other's pages. And that one where she would bombard me with you have Ebola memes for like two days. And people actually thought I had Ebola because of Kanani. So if I'm oh my God. her for having rabies, she is because she told the world that I had Ebola, which I did not have. Uh, you know, you've ruined Ebola because now if I get Ebola, it's not fun anymore. <laughs> so you've already ruined that for me. So you can at least let me have rabies. So Kanani... You watched The Craft Legacy. <laughs> oh, man. And I am, I have purposely not watched it because I wanted to hear it from you first. You know me too. <laughs> first of all, tell us about The Craft Legacy and then tell us what you think about it. Let me start by saying this. I was so ready to hate this movie, bag on this movie, and be like, David Duchovny is the only great part of this movie, which he was a great part of the movie, let me tell you. But I fucking love this movie. Oh, wow. I am going to say I like this movie better than the original. <gasps> Whoa. Okay. I just said that. Whoa. I'm actually, I, I don't know. I might be offended. I just got killed. I don't know I, right now. This movie is so relevant that when you watch the craft there's a lot of things that you can crap on about the old craft, right? Like about how the girls just couldn't take the power and they weren't responsible and they just, I don't know. It didn't, it doesn't age well, right? The original craft didn't age well. Like we all loved it then and we still love it for what it was, but it did not age well. 25 years from now, this movie I think will still be relevant. Holy shit. I don't even know what to say. I know this I am excited. At this point, I don't think I would let my daughter watch this movie. I still think she's a little too young. But I'm excited for my daughter to watch this movie. I think that what the old craft did then, which, I mean, it was, it was a huge awakening for a lot of people. Not necessarily the best example, but, you know, it was fun, right? It was exciting. It was a look into something that other people hadn't been privy to. This is, like, next level of that. Nice. Like, because it's much more relevant and applicable. And I'm not going to say that it's like, there were certain parts about it where it's like, you have to have four for a coven because one person has to be each element. Like, <laughs> sorry, no. But the everything about it, 
I like. I, I love the movie. Okay, so now I'm going to try and tell you about the movie without spoilers. But I will say, you have to watch the movie. I love the movie. So, the movie is about this girl Lily, who moves with her mother into David Duchovny's house, <laughs> who is her mother's fiance, and he has three sons. So she's moved to a new town, um, and on her first day of school. She meets these three girls who had been looking for a fourth for their coven, and they befriend her. Um, the friendship aspect in this movie is phenomenal, and I think that's the other thing from whereas the dichotomy from the 90s movie was it was very kind of superficial and phony, right? It was still kind of valley girlish, the friendship. was very seemed very shallow. This was a wonderful depiction of friendship. Um, they become friends. They start to come into their power. They start to do some practicing. Um, they do do some work on a guy that was, that had been a douche similar to that first, to the first movie, which to me was one of the, it was, it was a very different movie. It had more depth and storyline. So to me, that actually is the, one of the few similarities between the previous movie and this movie was the fact that they had kind of done magic on this douchey guy. Other than that, it was very much its own separate movie and storylines. And there's consequences to that and things that happen. I loved the ending of this movie so much better. This movie involves female empowerment, finding your power, it does not crap on women finding their power and women not realizing how to use their power. It shows consequence in using your power unwisely and then learning from it as opposed to there's a consequence for using your power, so now we're not going to use power anymore. They do have a phenomenal cameo for Feruza Balk, and, which you're kind of waiting for the whole time and you are not disappointed when it happens. And they have completely set this movie up for a sequel. And I'm telling you right now, I will watch the sequel. Okay. Wow. So that is not what I was expecting. I know. And I was super excited to crap all over this movie. And I am not crapping on this movie. And I think one of the reasons is it's its own story. Like they're not doing that story again. And they have the the one similar. I haven't, like I said, I to be fair, I haven't watched the old craft in a really long time. So there might be other similar storylines that it brought with it. But I didn't feel like I was watching the same movie only now. It's a completely different. You can have no idea what that other movie was. Watch this movie and be totally into it. So now you have to watch it as soon as we're done recording. You have to go watch this movie. Okay, I'm. I'm glad to hear that it wasn't just a straight up remake because I tend to hate those because I'm just like, okay, why just make it again? You know, like what, why? I, I'm kind of Amazing. excited to see what you guys think. To see if you I'm now, like, now I'm like, Courtney, I think that you and I need to like watch this via Zoom. It'd be really funny. And, and Kanani. Or at least be like on the phone together. I, I think for <laughs> next episode though. Let's have your husband watch the craft and you record him. The original. The original. The original. You have him do the movie review. 
Oh my God, I'm going to die. It's going to be so funny. Just record that and then we'll play it on the episode. He's going to be like, I don't know what bullshit this is. But. Yeah, exactly. He's going to be like, that was dumb. What? What? <laughs> oh what's happening? Oh, oh, here's my other thing. Here's the one of the other things that I loved. I don't think this is a spoiler. I'll say spoiler alert just in case, but I don't think it, I don't think it really is because it's not a plot point per se. There is a trans witch. Yay! That's awesome. One of the witches is trans. I'm so So, glad that they have trans representation. And and that was something that I was very excited about. I was very excited about the diversity. Um, Like I said, this movie, I think, is going to age very, very well because there were some very uh, important... Polit- like sexual political statements as far as acceptance and tolerance and inclusion and things like that that were awesome and super exciting. <laughs> so we had some fun this week uh, doing an interview for uh, for the Mary Sue. Yes, uh, we were Jessica Mason. Thank you for. <laughs> I know Jessica Mason hooked it up with this interview, and we were interviewed about. Well, it's kind of about witchcraft in relation to the release of the new craft movie. So we answered some questions about, you know, about inaccuracies in the film and basic witchcraft and like so on and so forth. So we'll link it in our episode notes. So you should definitely go read it. Um, It was really fun to do. Uh, So that was super fun. Uh, Also, we have Courtney's class, The Dangerous Goddess, coming up on November 10th at 7 p.m. Central. Uh, For those that aren't good at at, uh, figuring out different times, that's 5 p.m. Pacific and 8 p.m. New York, uh, New York City East Coast time. East Coast time. Uh, And tickets are available. Uh, Also, if you want to be part of the class but can't attend that specific time, you can purchase a ticket and it will be be recorded so you can watch it later. Yeah, so um, this... And this class focuses on three different goddesses, Bridget the Morgan and Hecate, um, basically breaking through the stereotypes of some goddesses being quote unquote good and some being quote unquote bad, because even the ones that have rumors for being sweet and healing and light also kick some serious ass. And the ones that can be considered to be kind of quote unquote scary can also be very kind. But the truth is, is that these goddesses at the end of the day are dangerous. So, um, yeah, let's talk all about these goddesses. Please join me. It's super fun. And like, and oh, oh, also it is ASL accessible. So for people who, Fantastic. Are, yeah, people who are deaf or hard of hearing, um, you'll be able to participate with us and delight. Fantastic. Um, so I'm excited for that. I'm going to actually try and attend. Oh, um, um, okay. So the other exciting thing you guys have seen, probably if you've been to our Etsy shop that we have, uh, an ancestor spell kit up and it's been going fast. So if you want to get in on that, um, definitely go check it out. We will also have some new spell kits coming up for the holidays. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, we'll be announcing that on an episode and any of our social media platforms when we're ready for that. So, Get in there if you still want an Ancestor kit, though, because they are going fast. For those of you, uh, I mean, I'm sure by now you guys know that we have lots of ways to support the podcast. Um, We have Patreon. Uh, You can become a Patreon subscriber, which is fantastic, a fantastic way to support us. You can buy us a coffee if you're not looking, wanting to do a subscription service, but you want to give us some thanks, you can go and buy us a coffee. And also we have lots of cool things on our Etsy shop 
outside of the spell kits, we have banners, there's cards, there's spell cards. So thank you so much to our Patreon supporters. We really appreciate your support. And we have some cool things that have been released recently there. So we have a healing ancestor meditation, which is great for ancestral work, especially around this time. Um, And we also have Courtney telling a ghost story. So if you're not... Is, is, is it creepy? Oh, yeah. It's totally creepy. It's so good. Oh, man. I, maybe I won't listen to it then. <laughs> Just, the other thing that's exciting is supporters of all levels get to vote on their favorite That Witch Life guest of 2020. Depending on avail- availability of that guest, we will invite this guest to return for a live Zoom interview with our Patreon supporters. So that is super exciting coming up. I can't wait to find out who gets picked. I'm excited to find I am as well. Like, I mean, I love, I, I think we've had so many good guests. And so I'm like really excited to see like who everyone wants back because, you know, I love them all. <laughs> I want them all to be my best friend. Um, and then guests who join at $5 or above can join our witch squad, which gives you access to our private Facebook page, as well as access to special quarterly events. Last month, we did a live Hocus Pocus watch party and are dreaming and scheming of another special event for early 2021. Another way outside of Patreon and Etsy and and buying us a coffee, another cool thing you can do is you can actually use us to promote your business. Um, we, as, as you've seen, we have amazing sponsors. So that's always an option. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode and promoting your business, you can also purchase a shout out to let people know about the incredible event you are hosting or, or shout out some love to your coven since you can't all be together in person right now. Find out more on our website at www.thatwitchlife.com. Who's ready for a word from our sponsors? Me. We are all stuck inside, bored, trying to find things to do. There is pretty much no better time to focus on your witchcraft studies and increase your magical skills. That's why we are thrilled to have Sacred Mist Academy of Magical Arts and Sciences as an episode sponsor. Since 2002, Sacred Mist Academy has offered comprehensive online magical training programs with working witches around the world, including first through third degree Wicca training and an elder program available for initiates of the Sacred Mist tradition. Other programs include historical paganism, herbalist certifications, spellcrafting classes, tarot courses, Reiki training, and more. There are lots of enriching classes to choose from. Plus, if you just aren't getting enough of your That Witch Life hosts, our very own Courtney offers a spellcrafting and spellcasting certification through Sacred Mists. I've attended more than one of her classes over the years, and shh, don't tell her, but they're always pretty great. So get signed up and level up your spellcasting skills. All courses have their own private groups where students can gather and connect with other students. Students also have access to Sacred Miss Circle, a completely private, student-only social media platform, not Facebook, with profile pages, discussion boards, groups, blogs, a searchable book of shadows, videos, music, and more. Other Sacred Mist Academy social groups include witchcrafting, if you're interested in creating your own tools, a divination group to discuss decks and chair readings, empath groups to explore this gift and learn about shielding, healing, kitchen witchcraft, and more. Join the Sacred Mist live chats for rituals, live divination readings, study halls, and social gatherings for and by students. To enroll, go to sacredmistacademy.com and enter Witch Life during registration to receive free enrollment, a savings of $30. 
Monthly tuition then depends on which course or courses you take. Limit one per student, available until December 31st, 2020. Manifest the change you want to see in yourself and the world around you through Sacred Mists Academy. The Sacred Mists Academy is a tremendous learning resource, but guess what? Sacred Mists also has a shop offering over a thousand witchcraft tools, supplies, and gifts, including crystals and gemstones, incense and candles, hand-rolled beeswax spell candles, and other spell supplies. This is literally a one-stop shop for witchcraft supplies. Sacred Mist Shop also offers over 75 plant seeds specifically curated for the witch's garden, including healing and magical herbs, flowers, and plant seeds, just a few of which include belladonna, mandrake, sweetgrass, moonflower, patchouli, elderberry, and mugwort, and so many more. Their divination tools include tarot and oracle decks and a gorgeous natural polished black obsidian scrying mirror with ornate antiqued brass stand available in two sizes. Sacred Mist Shop offers everything you need to set up your magical space, including wands, athames, hand-carved gemstones, runes, and wooden rune sets, god and goddess statuary, and more. They have everything a new witch could want and a bunch of other fun stuff and amazing things you didn't even know you needed until you're shopping there. The goddess statues are amazing and add so much energy to any altar. I love the bonsai wishing trees and had to have them. They're beautiful and a reminder of the energy I want to have around me. Plus, Sacred Mist Shop offers a wide variety of jewelry and books. Purchases at Sacred Mist Shop help support the education and training programs offered at Sacred Mist Academy. To get 10% off your purchase of 35 or more, go to sacredmist.com and use code WITCHLIFE at checkout. Offer available until December 31st, 2020. Sacred Mist Shop. Offering unique and handcraft witchcraft and Wicca supplies to the pagan community since 2002. Thank you to Sacred Miss Shop and Sacred Miss Academy for being an episode sponsor. Well, we are thrilled to welcome Madam Pamita. Madam Pamita is a tarot reader, spiritualist, spellcaster, teacher, author, and a maker of magic, music, and mischief. She is the host of a popular YouTube channel and the host of Magic and the Law of Attraction podcast and is the author of Madame Pamita's Magical Tarot, published by Wiser Books, and the Book of Candle Magic, published by Llewellyn. She is also the proprietress of the online spiritual apothecary, The Parlor of Wonders, which you can find at parlorofwonders.com. And she lives in Los Angeles, California. Welcome to our show, Madame Pamita. We're thrilled to have you on. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. This is going to be fun. I love having talks about magic and spiritual things. And so we're going to have a great time today. We are definitely going to have a great time. So we'll start with asking you what we ask everyone that comes on, on our show. Uh, how did you first know that you were a witch or a magical person? Oh my gosh. Well, I grew up in a magical household. My grandmother, my Ukrainian grandmother, which is my mother's mother, was a healer, which you could call a vidma in Ukrainian, which is considered a witch, but they're he they're more like healers. They're they're more akin to like a curandera in um Mexican culture. You know, they're healing people, they're helping people, and they're Catholic, you know, they're Catholic witches. So I, my, I never met my grandmother. She died before I was born, 
but my mom carried on the sort of legend and lore of that. And she was very magical with me. So I knew that I was a witch. Well, I can remember, my gosh, being little kid, there wasn't very much information. I'm 56 years old. So this is back in the seventies, I'm a little kid. And I would find a little thing here and there, a little, uh, witches will, um, look at the full moon and turn around three times and bow to it. And that's how you become a witch. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to go in the backyard and I'm going to do that. (laughs) So, (laughs) So I don't think there was any time that I wasn't at least in some form attempting kind of solitary magic when there wasn't any information out there, you know, not like today, not like an internet and all of that. Um, when I was in middle school, junior high, um, diary of a witch, Sibylique's diary of a witch was in our library, which was amazing in the (laughs) school library. And I checked that out of course, and poured over it and analyzed it and took every little bit of information I could from that. So, um, and then I picked up my first tarot deck. My mom bought me my first tarot deck when I was 10 years old. So I don't, I can't really pinpoint a moment other than I kind of grew up in this witchy environment, Catholic witchy, I would say, call it, um, lighting candles in church, you know, and, and saying a wish that's candle magic. I say, that's my first candle magic, you know? So, yeah. So I can't really think of a time that I wasn't witchy, but you know, it kind of ebbed and flow flowed for me, you know? That's fantastic. Yeah. I feel like there is so much magic and, and, and witchcraft within other religious practices often. We've definitely seen that here before. And so I think it's amazing that, you know, you were able to kind of draw from that as well into your own practice. It makes total sense because, yeah, that is candle magic. I'm also yeah. about to fire you two, and Madame Pamita is going to be my new best friend because she is talking about Eastern European magic and hoodoo. Um, two things which are which I have been trying to branch out and embrace more in my own practice. So, uh, Madam Pamita, we're best friends now. Just so you know, I hope you're cool with that. <laughs> I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> I love that you're like, we'll just cast you aside. That's fine. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Don't call me when you have an emergency. <laughs> as long as your husband still answers the phone when I wound myself, we're all good. <laughs> <laughs> Courtney's husband is a nurse, so he gets the calls from us panicked. Hey, we've done something bad to our bodies. Like, what should we do? Help. <laughs> oh <laughs> They're not very dramatic. They're like dog attacks, rabies, and losing toenails. Yeah, it's really, she calls in the most dramatic moments. <laughs> what really drew you initially to candle magic? I know you mentioned um, in your last response that you know, that it was present in Catholicism in which you grew around, grew up around. Was there anything else that as you continued your magical practice really saw you focusing down that path? Well, I, you know, I have to say candle magic is a part of so many spiritual practices and it really brings us to our very, very, very ancient ancestors, you know, our prehistory, prehistoric ancestors, um, you can imagine, I mean, I try and place myself in that time in my mind's eye and think about the magic of fire. We do know, you know, from an anthropological standpoint that fire was absolutely transformative for cultures when they were able to um, master fire or control fire. Um, it, it transformed everything. You could stay in colder climates. You could cook your food. There was a lot that... Um, 
transformed our, our human existence by mastering fire. And so whenever we do candle magic, uh, I feel like we're bringing in some ancient magic, really ancient, beautiful magic in a very safe way, relatively safe. I always say you should never leave a candle burning overnight or leave one burning while you leave the house. But you know, it's a very contained sort of uh, a way of working with the element of fire and, and and bringing it into your home. And, you know, even people that are secular people who aren't spiritual people, who don't look at candles spiritually, you they love lighting a candle. I mean, who doesn't like a beautiful candle flickering, you know, in their home and lighting with that beautiful glow? So I think there's something very primal that we connect to around fire and candle magic is um, just our way of connecting to that. So I think that's what brought me in unconsciously. I don't think that was a conscious decision. I've always been interested in candles, you know? I think that's so. I think that's such a good point because even though, yeah, those that don't necessarily have a, a connection to spirituality or or religious beliefs, like they still, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to light this beautiful candle. It looks so nice. Oh, I'm having a special dinner. I'm going to light the candles. Oh, I'm going. You know, it's like part of so many of our daily rituals. Yeah, yeah, and it's and then we get into the whole um, spiritual aspect. If you go into any religion, there's a, an aspect of candle uh, candles being magical. I think for in terms of spell spell casting, one of the things you know, there's lots of different ways that you can do spells. You can do a simple incantation. You can do, um, you know, making a charm bag or a mojo bag. You can do, um, you know, a bath, a cleansing bath. I mean, there's so many different ways you can do magic, but one of the unique things about candle magic is that you can actually see it happening before your eyes. You know, the candle is burning and you've seen the progress of that candle burning. And then there's um, even materials left over afterwards that you can read and interpret if you are so inclined. If you're a, a divinatory person that likes doing divination, you can, you know, read the candle flame, you can read the smoke, you can read the um, wax. I mean, there's so many things, so many aspects to it. So I think that's one of the other things I love about it. You know, I'm so passionate about it. That's, that is fantastic. That was one of the sections that I really liked in your book. Uh, it was something that I've definitely, uh, I mean, I've, I've used smoke to, for divination before, but I hadn't, and, and, fl- and, the, and flame, but I hadn't thought about the wax, which is really interesting. Like, I don't know why that hasn't occurred to me, but I was like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, a new, a new tip and tool to have for sure. Um, so, you know, what really inspired you to write this book? You know, at what process did you go, you know what, I want to write something uh, that speaks to people about candle magic. What really inspired that choice for you? Well, I think that that goes to like everything that I do. Everything that I do is motivated by the fact that I want something to be out in the world that doesn't exist. And so I'm looking for that thing. I want, I just want to enjoy that thing and I want to have that thing. And when it doesn't exist, I'm like, Oh crap, I guess I'll have to make that thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so for example, I mean, I, I have, um, my business parlor of wonders. Um, one of our cornerstones of our business is that we make beeswax, um, spell candles. So we make shaped candles. We make, Beautiful. um, taper candles. We make, um, pillar candles. We make these candles that are in beeswax. And the whole reason that they are there is because I wanted to use beeswax because it's a, um, it's kinder to the earth and it's kinder to your body than other kinds of wax, paraffin and so on. And, um, so I, 
wanted that to be out there. No one was making beeswax figural candles or, you know, spell candles. So I said, okay, I guess I have to <laughs> make candles. And that's how that whole thing started, you know? So the same thing with the book, the book, um, I wanted there, you know, there's plenty of beautiful books. And believe me, I have every, probably every book written about candle magic because I love researching and looking and learning and, and gaining more information. But the vast, vast majority of those books are um, recipe books. Buckland's book is a great example. It's a very, it's a classic candle magic book, um, but it's a recipe book. It says, you know, get a green candle, light it on a Friday, um, put a white candle next to it, do this, do that, say this, say that, and then you're going to, this is a spell for bringing prosperity, for example. But it doesn't explain to you why that's a spell or why is he using those colors of candles or why is mm. why are you doing it in this way? So it didn't, I'm a, I'm a born teacher. I love to teach. It's my passion. I love to teach and I love to teach about magic. I love to teach about, you know, empower people to do things for themselves. So I thought, well, gosh, you know, it's great to have a recipe book, but I want there to be a book out there where we show people and teach people how to create, empower them to create their own spells because it kind of frustrates me that people get so, um, oh, I didn't do it right because I didn't do the exact thing that's on the directions in that book. And I'm like, oh no, 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 there's plenty of leeway to do lots of different things. So it's a little bit like being a chef. If you're a chef, you can go open the fridge and go, okay, I'm going to whip up something out of what's here in the fridge. You don't have to have that preciousness of like, oh my gosh, I have to have every ingredient in this recipe, you know? Mm -hmm. So that kind of empowerment was why I wrote that book because I wanted people to be able to have that experience. I love that. I love that. I am seeing a vision of something in Madame Pamita. I think that you should be the host of this show and it's like, (laughs) but we're going to call it cast. And you have to basically, you give these witches a basket of ingredients and they have to create a spell out of that in 15 minutes. Oh my God. So it's basically like the Great British Baking Show, but spell crafting. Oh God. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the the, the most stressful show on television. I haven't seen Great British Baking Show, but Chopped is the most stressful show on Netflix. I swear to God. (laughs) Oh my God. It's very, it's very similar though. It's like you have, they'll be like, create this in the baking show. It's like, create this insane thing. You have one hour and you're like, what? That's it. I am, I am, I am putting this down as a part of my manifestation list. I'm going to produce this show and it's going to be a huge winner on Netflix and Madame Pamita is going to host it and we're all going to get really rich. It's going to be called Cast. And it's basically I love it. And that's such a good, actually, we should literally do that though. Let's literally do that. <laughs> Netflix, if you're listening, you know where to find us. Netflix. We're all I'd over the, the place. I'd be the best contestant because I'd be like, well, first I drank the wine and ate the cheese. Then... <laughs> I called for takeout, had it delivered, tipped well to get it here early, and now I have 20 minutes to spare. <laughs> <laughs> so oh much work. Actually, Kanani, you'd be one of the judges, and you could just sit there and go, um, what's that? Oh, <laughs> I could totally be the Simon Cowell of witchcraft. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, I can that. see that as plain as day. Hillary's going to be the supportive voiceover, like, ooh, Madame Pamita has given them a serious challenge today, but you know what? These witches know what they're doing, and I really believe in them. <laughs> like, they all suck. You see what they're doing? Why would oh they do God. that? Oh, my God. 
<laughs> oh my god, that's that's brilliant. That is so brilliant. And you know that whole part where they're like looking. You're like watching. I mean, I'm thinking of Great British Baking Show where they're like watching them and like going, "Oh, that's an unusual choice." And they're coming around and like yeah. quizzing them, like <laughs> about what I know, they're, they're doing. Walking behind them, whispering, <laughs> "That's a terrible idea." I know, <laughs> but you can see their faces too because someone walks up and goes, mm, oh, <laughs> you know, and it's oh like, you God. know that you've made a terrible choice. It's like, well, that is interesting, isn't it? You know, they're like, open the basket and it is, it is very creative. It is a green candle. It is a jar of salt. It is a vial of olive oil and it is a rubber chicken. <laughs> what are we- it is a rubber chicken. <laughs> That's what be like some strange thing in there. It's like, I can figure out what, what am I going to do with this? This doesn't go on a prosperity spell. Oh my God. That's so I can just, funny. I'll just walk by them and just be like, slip me a 20. You'll need it. <laughs> oh my God. The That's, most corrupt game to, show we ever. Need to, uh, we need to make this happen. And maybe we should cut this out of the episode so no one steals our idea. <laughs> oh, I think we were going to copyright that which life, that which life, that which life. <laughs> that which life. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so speaking, <laughs> I can't even, I can't even keep it together. Speaking of, um, crafting your own things, what is beneficial about making your own candles? Is there a benefit to that? Well, I talk about that in the book. I, um, give a direction for making a dipped candle uh, also a rolled candle. So there's a couple ways. And because I work with beeswax, I talk about beeswax in it. Now, obviously, um, someone who's vegan is not going to want to use beeswax. So, you know, you can venture out and find your own kind of wax that you're going to work with. But, um, because I, you, in Ukrainian magic, beeswax is super powerful. And if you think about, um, the fact that bees have to make a million trips to flowers for one ounce of beeswax, you know that you're working with an extremely potent and powerful tool when you're working with beeswax. So it's a, it's a really magical, magical, um, substrate for your spell work. And that's why I advocate it. That's why I talk about it and I work with it. So, um, but I talk about in the book, um, making your own candle dipped candle or making your own rolled candle. And the reason, um, those can be very, very powerful. If you make your own is let's say, for example, with a dipped candle, each time you dip that wick in the wax, you're building up another layer of wax. You know, this is like that kind Mm -hmm. of thing that you would do at like the old, old town Renaissance fair, crafts fair, whatever, you know, um, each time you're dipping that wick in, you're building another layer. You can be saying um, your spell words as you're doing that. You can be saying an affirmation as you're doing that and building up those layers of energy right directly into the candle. So beyond any other aspect of it, you can make it you know, as big as you want or stick as you want or the right, you know, whatever size, you know, material concerns from the spiritual level, making your own candle is just another way you can add your energy to it. It's not the only way, but it's a super magical way. It's a beautiful way. I love that. I mean, I think there's something to be said about like getting, like getting your hands in there and doing it because again, it's like, and that's certainly not to say, I mean, I have never made a candle before and I definitely have done some really amazing candle magic. I know that it's not necessary, but it's such a good thing to think about just in, I know when, if I am, for instance, like mixing my own incense blend, I feel it differently slightly because I can, I can put my own intentions into it uh, Mm -hmm. versus like taking something that someone has created and then 
you can still infuse your own intentions into that, but that's just like, I think you're right there. There's that extra layer, you know, of, of getting, getting to the, the core of the object as well. I, yeah, it's a little, oh, I was going to say, it's a little bit like growing your own herbs. You can buy mm-hmm. dried herbs and there's nothing wrong with buying dried herbs, but when you grow your own plant and then you dry it, it's like raising a child. You can yeah, enjoy yeah. a person without raising them or a pet without raising them. But when you, when you raise it, it has some, you have a connection. Yeah. So I, I totally feel that. I feel like my plants are like my friends. <laughs> I'm like, you're my buddies. You've In the era of COVID, Hillary, they just might be. They literally with, are. With I'm like, well, I like can't. Courtney and I, you can't help her but to, you know, I know. Wish I'm like, for these, better plant friends. I'm like, these two are mean. So I'm going to, <laughs> so I'm going to go. Have, and, have your plant friends ever brought you a coffee just because they happen to be on your side of town getting acupuncture? I don't think so. <laughs> no, but they've literally, but they've literally sacrificed themselves for me to make tea out of. Have you done that? I have not. <laughs> and I don't plan on it. <laughs> but I will bring That's you what a I thought. when I'm on your side of town. That's what I thought. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, you know, there, I know there are, having read your book and done some candle magic myself, I know there are lots of different ways to, to do candle magic and lots of different types of candle magic. But what, what do you think makes candle magic such a good tool for witches to incorporate into their practice? Is there something that's, uh, you know, that's, that you think is, rudimentary in that? Well, I, I, one of the reasons I love candle magic is because it expands and evolves as your practice expands and evolves. So someone can start with just a basic plain old candle and light that candle with an intention for a spell and get success from that you know, knowing nothing, knowing nothing about color magic, knowing nothing about, you know, timings or anything like that, you can start very, very simply and have success. But you can also really get very involved and very complex with it as well. So it kind of, I love it because it's low, low stress entry level magic that can go into amazing, beautiful, very complex bringing in numerology, bringing in astrology, bringing in, um, you know, layouts and patterns. I mean, there's all kinds of things, um, burning candles on different days. I mean, there's so many things that you can delve into. Um, you can make it so complex. So you don't have, and you can find your way from that very beginning level to the very complex level or stop anywhere you want, um, along that. So, Yeah, I like the other thing that I really love about candle magic is it's super accessible. I mean, everyone can find a candle. I mean, they're very easy to come by. It's, you know, sometimes I think sometimes, uh, again, you can get very complex with it. You can add many, many layers. You can add many, many elements to it. But I like that you can just be like, it's, it's very easy and accessible for people to get. I mean, you can get a candle at the grocery store, you know, you can get, exactly. you know, you can order it online very easily. And so, um, I mean, I, I have gotten candles at the dollar store before, you know, like, you know, so mm-hmm. it's like, so it's, it is, it's an accessible tool. Um, but I also love that it has the ability to be very complex too. So for those that want to get into adding different elements, whether that be herbs or oils or, or using it for divination. It's, there's so many different things you can do, which I love because I feel like, especially for people that are, 
uh, you know, that are kind of getting into their own practice or exploring what they like, you know, it's not like, well, there's this one way you can utilize this tool and then it's done. It's like, there are so many things you can do and it gives you a chance to figure out what of those, if not many of those that you want to incorporate specifically in your own practice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, then another aspect of it too, is that it kind of expands to whatever you want it to be like, meaning you can do solitary magic, easily do solitary magic with candle magic, but you could also do ritual with candles. You know, you can also bring in a coven. You could also work, you know, there's a lot you can do with it. So it kind of is so adaptable and so approachable. I mean, everyone has lit a candle before. This is not something that is alien or strange or weird. And if you've lit a candle before, then you are totally prepared to do candle magic. That's all you have to know to start candle magic. You don't have to, it's not like something where there's a high bar to entry, like learning the tarot. You have to have, you know, that is work to like get to the place where you can do a reading. You can do, you can today do a candle spell. If you've never done one before, you can do one today. It's that easy. So. Yeah. I love that. It makes it uh, approachable for people. You know, it's like, what is one tip or a tip that you'd like to share for people just starting out doing their first candle spell? Well, I think everyone has already done candle magic before. I would just sort of add that if you've had a birthday party, I guess if you're not a Jehovah's Witness, you've done candle magic before because you've had a birthday party, right? And you made a wish on a candle. So um, no matter even, you know, you know, we've universally already, you've already been there and you've already done it, but now you're going to do it in a more focused way. And I think that one of the the most beautiful things, like a very, very easy thing to do is to hold a candle. Like if I were going to say, oh my gosh, all you've got is a candle and I have to do a spell. You have to do a spell and don't worry about the color of the candle. Don't even worry about the kind of candle. If it's a birthday candle, fine. If it's a little chime candle or a Hanukkah candle, fine. You don't have to have some big elaborate setup to do candle magic. I've done candle spells with birthday candles in a pinch before. So, and they've worked. So, um, so this isn't something that you have to fuss about. Just grab a candle a candle that has not been burnt. That's the one, I guess the one thing I would say, something that has not been used yet. Hold that candle in your hands, close your eyes and focus on your intention. It's very helpful to say that intention out loud. If you're able to say that intention out loud, you're not, you know, you're not around other people, but focus your intention while holding that candle, holding it in your palms and um, putting your energy into it. You might want to do that for a minute or two and then set the candle in a candle holder or, you know, fix it to a dish or a tray and then light that candle and say your spell, your words of what it is that this candle is burning for with conviction. Even if you have to fake it till you make it, say it as if it's already here, say if it's that with confidence that, you know, that that thing is coming to you and then um, light that candle and then, um, you know, leave it burning while you're awake and at home, when you go to sleep or leave the house, you snuff it out, you don't blow it out and then relight it again when you come back or you wake up again, um, and set that intention. Then this is, I think the other part for newbies that's important. Some people have the misconception. They've watched too many TV shows about witches or <laughs> I don't know what they've seen. There are so many, <laughs> <I know. laughs> so many, so many inaccuracies. 
<laughs> I know. And so they have the, they have the feeling that it's going to be like Harry Potter where you say the words in Latin and immediately something happens. And we, as much as we love that when it does happen, cause it does happen. Sometimes you do something and immediately something happens. That's very, you know, that means that there wasn't a lot of um, work to be done to get to that thing. I think, you know, you're already on your way and you're just speeding it up. But um, I always um, remind people to look for um, three signposts as after their candle spell is complete. So your candle magic is done when the candle is completed burning. So you want to complete the burn of that candle in most cases, vast majority of cases. And then um, you're going to look for signposts along the way to see that your candle spell was effective. The first thing being messages, the three M's I like to call messages, movement, and manifestation. So the first one is a message from the universe. That's going to be something, uh, a synchronicity of some kind or some odd um, message from the universe where you're paying attention to signs that are out there. Now they aren't necessarily going to come from the source of what you're doing, but they're going to be signs from the universe supporting that. So let's say you um, wanted to get a new job and you did a candle spell for that. The message might be um, seeing a billboard that says, you got this, or um, somebody saying to you, um, um, you're the right person for the job. Not related to the getting of the job, but there's some kind of link, a synchronicity, right? Second thing, and that you should expect to see within a few days of you completing your spell work. Second thing you want to look for is movement. Movement is um, something moving in the right direction. Oh, you're getting called in for interviews. Oh, you're getting, um, uh, you're getting feedback on your resume or something positive, but it's not the job yet, but it's moving in the right direction. That you should expect to see within a few weeks. Now it might be one day, Till you get that, that's possible, but it might be up to, um, you know, three or four weeks before you start to see that movement, depending on how stuck the situation is. And then lastly, your manifestation, your manifestation is the result of your spell, which is that, um, you're going to see, you know, get the job, you're going to get that new job and that you should expect to see anytime between one day and a few months. So sometimes people get frustrated or they work against their spell by going, Oh my God, it didn't happen. And I'm not trusting it now, you know, because it didn't happen in a day. Or exactly, so or it didn't thing. happen exactly how they, you know, it's like sometimes that what I've realized is that sometimes, you know, you have an idea in your head of how you think it's going to turn out, right? And it doesn't always go exactly like your mind thought it would. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. it, was, it didn't work. Right? You know, so sometimes I'll be like, well, I expected this. And then suddenly something you know, a different door opens and you're like, oh, wait a minute, this was even better than what I was thinking, you know? Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that's such a good, I think that I love that. I love that motto, the three M's, you know, I think that it's really good to focus on again, you know, I think, I think you're right. I think a lot of people that are just getting into witchcraft or maybe the perception they have is that you're like, I snap my fingers and like wave a little wand and then poof, something happens and you're like, yeah. The three M's, I believe that that comes out of the of hoodoo traditions. Am I am I correct there? That's that's in the hoodoo tradition. That is a hoodoo concept, and it it came to me through um, my own teachers of hoodoo. But it's really a concept that works in like um, you know law of attraction. It works in uh, you know it works in any spell. I loved it because it was defined. That's why I loved it because I knew when I was doing magic in my younger days, I'm like, 
just because I don't see it immediately. I didn't have all those shows, Sabrina the Teenage Witch and all that stuff. I mean, we had Bewitched, but you know, we all knew that was TV, right? You know? Yeah. So we didn't have this concept that, that we would have like nowadays where people are like thinking they're pointing their wand and saying a Latin word and they're going to see some instant result. Um, and I think that comes also with experience. You start to see like, oh, you want to just acknowledge, it's a way of acknowledging that things are um, shifting and changing. You're moving and bending. I mean, what is witchcraft? You are bending the fabric of reality to your will, right? That's what a spell is. That's what witchcraft is. So if you're bending the fabric of reality, sometimes it's already moving in that direction and you can move it along faster. And then you're like, great, I did it instantaneously. It happened right away. But other times you may be working, um, bending something that it takes some effort. And so, um, I think that's something that new, new witches don't quite maybe get is that you, you sometimes see instant results and sometimes you have to work at it a little bit harder, but you can with the force of your will and the support of your tools, um, change your reality. That's mm-hmm. a really it, that's a really good tip. That's really really good. Um, so we actually have a listener question, um, and we would love to have you give some insight. We think you'd probably be great at giving some insight to this particular question. So our listener wrote in and said, "My sister was just diagnosed with MDS syndrome, basically a failure of the bone marrow. At the end of the month, I am going to be tested to see if I am a good match, so I can donate bone marrow to help her." I want to do a spell to get better odds of us matching. What spell ingredients and or actions would you recommend? Thanks in advance. Well, if I were going to recommend a candle spell, candle spell is actually great for something like this. You know, all kinds, I mean, I'm not just a candle magician. I wrote a book about candle magic, but I do all kinds of magic, you know, and I teach all kinds of magic. So candle magic is just one type of spell work that you can do. But candles work very, very well when we have to work um, doing sympathetic magic. Sympathetic magic being um, you're working on something at a distance, right? You're working on something, a representation of something. Example of sympathetic magic is like a voodoo doll, like in movies, right? They're working on the doll, but the person feels the pin prick them, right? You know, that kind of idea. That's a very simplistic idea of poppets, by the way, but everybody understands that. So um, when we're working on doing sympathetic magic, we can work on the sister and work on the self at the same time through the representation of the candle. So I think candle work is excellent for this kind of working where you want there to be a success energy um, and a healing energy. Um, Because because I I love working with the idea that you're, um, I'm so sorry to hear about this situation, which is such a scary situation when we have our loved one and they're sick and there's so much stress, stress and anxiety around that. Um, so I'm feeling such, um, compassion for this situation, but I do think that it's a situation that magic can be very, very helpful when we do healing spells. It's interesting. And part of this is a healing spell and part of it is a success spell, right? If I break it down in that way, when we do healing spells, healing spells are very fascinating to me. I did a whole article about healing spells. People have the misconception that you light a candle, let's say, and you're going to instantly be healed. That spontaneous kind of healing can happen. It isn't to say that it wouldn't happen. It can happen. I've seen it happen. I've had it happen. But the vast majority of healing spells have a different flavor to them. Usually what happens when we do a healing spell, because we're dealing with the material world, the body, um, 
we're looking at some material world um, solution. So, for example, like when you when you light a candle for a healing healing of your body, um, oftentimes what happens is the right people will come into your sphere, the right healers, the right doctors, the right um, acupuncturists, um, the right information. And we live now in this wonderful age where we have access to all kinds of information and you might be searching online and stumble, quote unquote, stumble, I'm putting a little air quotes around that, stumble on the exact piece of information you need to regain your health again. So I love that healing spells often work in that way and don't discount that as, oh, that's just a coincidence. No, that's part of your healing work. You're, you're healing a body. So you have to work in the material world. And so having these healers around you and information and medications or herbs or whatever it is, that information is going to be the transformative thing that's going to get your body back to its optimum health. So if I were to, to, to do this spell, I would suggest that they, they, the sisters, if they could do it together, they, that would be great. If they're doing it at a distance, then the sister that's donating the um, bone marrow can do the spell working with two candles representing the two of them. Now, I love figural candles because they're very representational and they can be great for that sympathetic magic. So um, you could get either two figural candles that are like the whole body if you want to work in that way that's a beautiful way of working. So you can get a candle that's uh, representative of your gender and, um, the, and your sibling's gender, and then put that, um, put those candles together. I would recommend a blue candle for the sister who is ill and a yellow candle for success. So the blue candles for healing, blue or lavender is a great color for healing. White is also a great color for healing and a yellow candle for the sister who's donating the marrow. That's a success color, yellow. And so then you could put those two candles together with some um, healing herbs or healing oils. You can get an oil that's for healing. You know, there's plenty of places um, that sell you know, oils that are formulated with essential oils for healing. Um, you can put, um, uh, Althea is a beautiful healing herb. You could use Angelica. That's another beautiful healing herb. Um, and put those on both of those candles. You can apply olive oil or another oil of your choosing or an oil that's formulated for healing. And then light those, light those candles, um, over the seven days of, um, prior to the testing, the last day being the night before, if you have to go in early in the morning, the night before you're going to be testing, um, to see if you're a match. And that is a beautiful, simple way that you could do that. Now, if you wanted, I could say there's another alternative that you could do. If you feel more inclined to focus on the bones, you could do a skull candle for each of you, again, in blue or lavender for the um, sister that needs the healing and yellow in the, for the sister that's um, being the match. So skull candles can be used for um, work around the bones because it's a bone. So that's another way of working. So either the body, figural body candle or the bone skull candle. Yeah. I'm, and I'm just also speaking of the, the, the three, the, the three M's, the message and the movement. I just did a spell with Althea for the first time 
And I was wondering, um, is this the right herb to use? Now, although it wasn't an, it wasn't a healing spell, it was for something else. The fact that you mentioned it the day after I used it is my message. So thank you. So listeners, this is how, (laughs) this is how it happened. So, um, and I, I, I love the very practical nature of using it. I've never thought about that using the skull can. I love skull candles. I've really only used them in curse work before. (laughs) So I love the idea of using them to, for, uh, for bone healing. Um, just one thing I've, I've been thinking a lot about this question since we got it on email and I want to encourage our listener to, um, when you're doing your intention, allow, allow the spell to find healing in the most direct way, which may not be through you being a match. You, you, you're so as we focus on, we think we know what the best solution is. And we start working our magic on the perceived solution as opposed to the ultimate objective, which is your sister's health. So it's possible that there's somebody else who's a better match than you. I mean, unlikely because siblings are are really great. Or there's a possibility that there's another treatment out there that will work very effectively that won't involve you. I mean, I don't know. I don't know this, this, um, this condition and I'm not a medical person. So certainly the fact that you are remaining open to being a match as an option is, is wonderful. So keep that. But I would encourage you to, um, to, to first of all, definitely take Madame Pamina's suggestions, but keep your objective as healing for your sister and that, you know, you certainly are available to be that, that match. If you are the best solution, if going through you is the best solution for her to heal, but be open to the spell manifesting in a different way that helps your sister heal. And that doesn't involve you having to give of your body either. So just uh, putting that out there. So I always, I always tell people that like, you know, if you don't see the exact result and, or the immediate result that you were thinking you might, that doesn't mean that it was a failure. Um, and to be open and, and really using your intuition to be open to seeing signs that aren't, sometimes I think we get in this space where we're so, we are so focused on one thing and that's when we're looking for signs, that's all we see. But what we actually do then is miss signs that are there because they're not limited to what we anticipated them to look like. So I always tell people, especially when they're doing work that's really important like this is to, once you've done the spell work that you choose to move forward with, and again, I love Madame Pamita's suggestions. I think they're really, really good. Um, is to also be open and on the lookout for all types of messages. So, Madame Pamita, how can people find you? Well, the best way to find me is to go to the website, which is parlorofwonders.com, and it's spelled the fancy British way, P-A-R-L-O-U-R of wonders.com, because I am fancy. Nice. (laughs) Apparently. You are fancy, and you fit right in with us, who are also fancy. (laughs) Fancy. (laughs) We're just a bunch of fancy witches. Fancy. I like being a little extra. I also, I'm like very extra. So so I very much appreciate that. Um, I also have all my, um, um, my, my big socials that I do. I have a YouTube channel, which you can find just by looking at Madame Pamita on YouTube. All my videos will come up. I have a um, bunch of videos teaching. They're teaching videos, teaching about, um, candle magic, of course, lots of candle magic, but other kinds of magic as well. 
um, all, all folk magic, all low magic stuff that's accessible. You know, that's really my jam. Um, then I also have an Instagram that I'm pretty active on, which is Madam Pamita. So you can find me over there. And, um, every Sunday, in, except for the first Sunday of the month, first Sunday of the month, I hold a workshop, a paid workshop. Um, but every other Sunday of the month, I have a free live Q and a, which is called very imaginatively <laughs> the live magic Q and a tea party. We added tea party on there. Um, but I have guests on and I have an amazing, um, out, it's like an hour of just questions and me answering your questions live and me and my guests answering your question live. So it's very fun. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that. And it's on Zoom. So to get the the link to that, you go over to, if you go to spellsquad.com, it'll take you over to the page on my website where you sign up. Um, And then you'll get the um, link to join. The link's the same every week, but um, you'll get that initial link and then you can join us anytime. Um, It's at 5 p.m. Pacific and 8 p.m. Eastern time. So, yeah. Well, thank you all so much for listening. If you want to support the show, the best way is to subscribe and spread the word. Please also consider leaving us a rating and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also buy us a coffee or check out merch at our Etsy store. For bonus content, and this week, you'll get to hear a very exciting conversation about herbs with our lovely guest, Madam Pamita, on Patreon, so you can become a supporter there. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For show notes, audio transcripts, or to ask a question to answer on a future episode, go to www.thatwitchlife.com. Until then, keep moting that shit, and we'll talk to you next week. Hey, USA witches, vote, 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 yeah. vote, vote, vote. Yeah. Vote. Hey, hey, and in case you weren't sure what you should do, you should fucking vote. Vote. <laughs> vote. Vote. <laughs> Also, also vote. Hashtag <laughs> vote AF. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> please vote. <laughs> Find us at thatwitchlife.com for archived episodes or to ask your burning questions for us to answer in a future podcast. So vote it be. Well, that was what I said to Hillary. I'm like, what the fuck happens if she actually has rabies and dies? Because that's how morbid I am. I'm like, because I'll be at her funeral and I'll be like, all right, dearly beloveds, we're geared to celebrate Kanani, who was a wonderful wife and mother and a true friend who died of rabies because, of course, she fucking did. Because I win. That's what that means. <laughs> who can because I will win. Rabies from kidnapping a cat. Exactly. Plus toenail. Exactly. <laughs> You're like, oh, Without my, a toenail. oh, my God. Without a proper petty. Exactly.